What's up, everybody? Coming up, we needed a little something this summer, some an injection of news into this, uh, what has been a quiet summer for the Celtics. Well, Jeff Goodman provided it. Uh, his One of his debut stories over at The Messenger, uh, talking to Tatum, getting some real good quotes about the upcoming season. So got Jeff on the line to talk about his interview with Tatum, his takeaways, what he's thinking about the Celtics as a whole for the upcoming season. So you know what? Let's just get right into it. Here's my chat with Jeff Goodman. All right, Jeff, I was telling you before we hopped on here, uh, it's been really quiet. Maybe one of the quietest summers in Celtics history because usually they have like the Kyrie trade in August or like re-signing players, extensions of Rob, stuff like that. Uh, I needed a little something to to give this this offseason some juice. And you, like a magical unicorn, deliver this interview with Jason Tatum. So I just want to start big picture. You know, I, I don't know if you want to tell me how it came. You can tell me about like the, the how it came together or what the biggest yeah. thing that stood out to you. Like, tell me about the process. Well, I just started a new gig uh, at The Messenger. Um, so I, I wanted to come out swinging with, with, with a big name, at least. Uh, so I figured what bigger name nationally than, than Jason Tatum. You know, I'm going to be covering uh, kind of like I've done, but probably even a little more NBA than I have, mostly college, NBA, uh, high school, whatever, like whoever, whatever. That's the beauty of this gig. Still be doing some of my other stuff uh, TV wise. But, um, you know, I've known Jason, you know, since 2014 was the first time I saw him. And it was at LeBron camp right before LeBron decided I would – I was watching games during the day, these high school kids, and then literally tailing LeBron uh, as much. It was like me, Ramona Shelbourne, and I forget who else. We were in charge of like tailing LeBron Mm -hmm. after because he was going to make his decision, which ultimately led him back to Cleveland at that point. Um, So I remember seeing this kid and I was just blown away. And I've I've followed recruiting for 20 years. Uh, I was blown away by this kid who just knew how to play and uh, as it turns out it was Jason Tatum like he had great feel for the game he was super mature he wasn't rattled kind of some of the things you still see today Mm -hmm. at a higher level Um, so I reached out to him again known him a long time almost 10 years Um, and it's cool like you know I interviewed him on air at ESPN in Mm -hmm. high school I interviewed him on air uh, at ESPN at Duke. I interviewed him on air at ESPN with the Celtics. So like, it's just kind of cool to see the progression mm-hmm. of Jason Tatum as a player and as a person, even more, to be honest. For sure. Because I, I think I've said it to you, even after some of the press conferences lately, like it's cool to just see the maturity of, of a lot of these kids, but especially Jason, who was so quiet and he will, He'll say that like he still is, mm-hmm. but he was super quiet. Didn't say a word early on when he certainly in high school and even at Duke and more so, I think when he got to Boston, sure. you guys would tell me like, he's the most boring interview ever. I don't know if it's you specifically, but as a group, I, I, might, I, I probably use those words. Like he, yeah. he just, he wouldn't elaborate and he's gotten so much better oh. the past like year or two. And I think I tell people all the time, that's part of the superstar development is understanding like, we're going to come to you and ask you about things that are outside your, you know, basic day to day. And you need to have an answer. LeBron is the best at it. Like he knows how to like put a, a, and I don't even want to say positive spin, but he knows how to give a a intellectual answer about something. I think Jason 
is growing into that. And you can it, see it especially reflected in your article. Yeah. Um, and again, some of the stuff that didn't make the story, um, I, I thought was fascinating because I did a podcast with him during the pandemic. And he said to me how embarrassed he was to tell people from the Celtics organization mm. that he was going to be a father. And, and he waited till the very, very end before he told a lot of people in New York, high up people. And he talked about, he was like, I never thought I would be the guy to have such a public relationship with my son because I was, you know, he's quiet again. But, but what he said was, honestly, it's on Deuce. Deuce is mm. so outgoing uh, that it almost kind of happened naturally. Um, he didn't, he didn't push it out there. That's not Jason. You know that. So I, I just thought overall, we hit on so many different topics. I, I kind of wish I had another hour with him to go deeper on mm -hmm. some of them. That was the, the one thing I felt like when I hung up the phone with him after about an hour, I was like, damn, like I should have went deeper on right. some of these other things, but I wanted to get to so many different topics that you just felt like you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't get as much depth as I wanted on some of these things. Yeah. It's the curse of our business is that I, you know, I was joking before we jumped on. It's like, sometimes you're, you're left with five minutes with a player or 10 minutes with a player that you got that much time is, is awesome. What was the, what, when you hang up that phone, what's the first thing that you said? Like, wow, that really jumped out to me that he said. I think it was more that he, he said the last couple of years, how he's kind of grown comfortable in Boston mm. to me, that, that resonated with me. Like he kind of admitting, like it was really tough for the first three or four years and, and I'm from here. So for me, I can't, I can't really comprehend what it's like going from being a Midwest guy, uh, you know, from St. Louis to, to Boston. Uh, but thinking about it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a major culture change, especially for a 19 year old kid yeah. who, Oh, by the way, like I remember draft night cause I did the draft for ESPN and I remember talking to him and, and and his mom, Brandy, they were both kind of, well, she was really coming up to me. Is he going to be traded? Is he going to be traded? Mm. So it like started, remember the Jimmy Butler stuff started sure. right away. So like, I think he's really now embraced the city and the fans, even though again, uh, there was some rough times here and, and some fans still aren't all in on Jason Tatum being a guy that's going to lead him to the promised land. But I think for the most part, he feels love now and he's more comfortable in his own skin to be able to take the criticism that maybe he had a harder time taking, you know, a year or two years ago. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You know, rewinds in my mind is is us going with Markel Fultz to the garden as, oh, you know, and, and we took a lot of pictures that day. And, uh, you know, for essentially we we I, mean, I, I think we were pretty hell bent that he was going to be the number one pick uh you knew more about tatum than i did in that moment and uh yeah it's, it is crazy to see how he's sort of blossomed but it it it, it does make like that's the one thing i keep playing is like the what if game like how things could have been so different but I, I think you bring up a good point so i think celtics fans have obviously loved jason tatum they he doesn't get as much criticism as maybe jalen brown uh some of the others that you know the superstar types uh but you know, there's always been this desire for him to express his love for Boston because that's what we want. We want our superstars to say, like, I'm one of you now. I'm a mass hole, and this is this is what I do. And, um, yeah, in your article, it really came through just how much it, he appreciates now what he's got. And sometimes it just takes some time for that. But I love that he's, he framed it, again, in the context of Deuce. It's yeah. 
he's been here. He, but it, it used to be just a place he came to play basketball. Now it's his son, his whole life is here. Yes. And you start to develop that attachment. I think every parent who, regardless, like when you move or you're in a new city or new town or whatever, like you develop that. But I mean, it, it's cool to hear that coming out because he, he has tried so hard to get back to the community of St. Louis. And I think he's starting to find his way of how to do that here. Yeah. And he's just a private person. Yeah. Like that's the one thing with Jason Tatum. That's, that's a lot different than a lot of, I mean, I've known a lot of these kids, how they've, they've grown up and, you know, Jimmy Butler wants attention, right? Like we know that Jimmy Butler likes attention. <laughs> Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum does not like attention. He, he, he's the opposite of Jimmy Butler in a lot of ways, right? Jimmy's going to mm-hmm. show his emotions on his sleeve. You know, Tatum said to me, cause I asked him, I said, you know, without Marcus smart, like I'm worried about the 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 lack of emotion yeah. up and down the roster, outward emotion on this team. You know, you guys are all pretty cool, right? You're all pretty cool dudes who don't show a lot of emotion. Are, are you worried about it? He said, no, I'm, I'm really not. He said, what people, you know, I'm not going to be Kevin Garnett. We know that. Mm-hmm. But he said, like, the, the things people don't see are, you know, in, in film sessions, um, things of that nature, in practice, when, yeah, he's not going to MF his teammates. That's not his personality again. But I think he's much more comfortable with his own voice now. And I do think when Jason Tatum talks now, people are going to listen because he's not one of those guys who's going to talk just to talk. So when he does, I think everybody's going to understand, okay, you know what? This dude's got got a real issue or he's got something to say that he feels really passionately or strongly about. And I think it's spot on. Like we kept hearing rumblings last year that he had been more vocal, that he was willing to to speak up in the locker room. And much like with the media side of it, it just feels like you have to get to a point where you're comfortable with that. And I don't think Marcus prohibited that. It's just Marcus was wasn't going to wait. Marcus, whether Jason was complaining or, or saying something or not, was going to be going to be that guy that that spoke up. And I do think you know they got to figure out that void. And I still I'm eager to see how Jason and I don't Jay know who it's going to be, Chris. Like I, you know, I don't know who it can be. Like, I, I just, there's not a personality that's going to all of a sudden flip the switch. We know mm-hmm. that. Like, Jalen is the one that a lot of people would think has it in him because he's so vocal off the court, right? Right. But we see it on the court. That's not that's not how he is on the court for the most part. So your two superstars are pretty chill on the court for the most part. Porzingis isn't going to come in and do it. Mm-hmm. We know Brogdon and Derek White aren't going to be the rah-rah guys. You know, Derek White's got a little bit of rah-rah in him, but in a very different way. Mm-hmm. So who who's left? I mean, honestly, who is left? You got rid of Grant, who yep. again talked too much, but he but he talked, he was vocal, he, he was he brought passion, outward energy. Um, I, I think Jason will be a little bit better. Like even we saw it in the playoffs last year, and I remember talking to him after it when he got the technical for hanging on the rim uh, right away. And I was like, I love that. Like, I love that. Personally, That that's how I want to see you get your technicals. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see you get your tees bitching and moaning at the refs. <laughs> so true. And I, and I think he's gotten better with the refs. We talked about that, too. It didn't make it in the story. But we talked about that. And he said, listen, now I think I understand how hard their job is. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think he ever really thought of it from that perspective before. But he had a great comment. He said, listen, I get it now that no matter what they do, they're going to be booed by somebody. Mm-hmm. No matter what call they make, they are booed by somebody. He said, 
I watch a lot of high school. I watch a lot of college. We have the best officials in the world, but I'm passionate. I get upset because I said, I'm like, give me another example when you show emotion like that. Cause that's the only time I ever see him, Chris, lose his shit. Right. Is in on the officials. And he, he said to me, he's like, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Like you don't, you know, you don't ever see him get too high or too low on nope. anything else. Other than with the officials. And, and, and you know, look, he's got to corral that. I think what, the only gripe that Celtics fans have is that there's way too many times when you're looking on a fast break going the other way and he's still yapping at an official. Uh, I think, just like you said, I think as you get older and into this league, you get more cognizant. Paul Pierce used to tell the story about learning all the officials' names and you go up and, you know, shake their hands before the game and, and play the little game within the game and get on their good side and remember a family member or something, you know. I think, he I think said that's he's, maybe... he's learned most of the names. We talked. Right, well, there he goes. And even if it's just because he's been cursing them and saying, like, how come, uh, <laughs> you know, you didn't call, give, give me that call and everything. Uh, you know, one of the other things that I thought was really uh, that jumped out to me was the the all defense stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he's clearly had that potential. He's got the crazy length. He when he is engaged. Now sometimes offensive players tend to put so much emphasis on that side of the ball. You know, I wonder. But you, did it, did it come through in that conversation? Just how much that matters to him. The the way the the the, the quotes seem to to suggest he wanted to get to that level. Yeah, I think he understands that he has a potential to be an all defensive guy. You know, I, I've said this over and over. And, oh, man, you don't know how much shit I get for this. But when I said I think he's the most complete player. Mm-hmm. in the nba and people kill me like people in my family kill me my nephews they're like well Jokic, this Jokic." Mm-hmm. I, I get it like Jokic is a better player right now i'm not disputing that what i'm saying is jason tatum has the fewest amount of weaknesses in his game of anybody in the nba when you look at the overall everything he does mm-hmm. there's no i mean again unless you want to you know use again what he does with the officials but that's right, the, you right. Know, but I'm everyone has something. Physical, I'm talking about physical abilities. I mean, he he's he's a terrific scorer at all three levels. He's a terrific passer now. He always had that in. And, and now he makes people better consistently. Makes really good decisions with the basketball. Rebounds, can handle it, can go left, can go right, uh, and can be a really good defensive player, right? Like on and off the ball has the ability – to be a very, very good defensive player. So, yeah, that was the one area that that he said, along with working on, on you know, shooting the threes off, off, off the move, mm-hmm. those were kind of the two areas that he said he was focused on this offseason. Yeah, and it's it, it's encouraging to hear. You just want your superstar to never be complacent to uh, to sort of have those goals, and especially, I mean, we everything we talk about here is with the 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 hovering of no more Marcus Smart, like. It's one thing to not be a great defender when you've got Rob and Marcus and all these guys around you. It's another when, you know, that area is going to be a little bit more diminished this year. You can't count, you know, how many years can Al do this at 37? Like, you know, if is Rob going to stay healthy, which I'll even throw out there before you, 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 you throw it out. <laughs> you beat me. me to it. Man. <laughs> He's I'm telling you, he had a great summer. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's a whole nother podcast. Uh, I, I hope you just say, listen, I hope Rob, all he did all summer was stay like, healthy. Just lie on the beach. Don't even get up. Like have somebody literally uh, put everything for you. Your chair, open your chair. Like Rob shouldn't even be opening his chair because he could hurt his finger. Oh, you know, you could yeah. you get your finger caught in the chair, the beach chair. 
Like, mm-hmm. no, somebody, you should be doing that for him, actually. I've honestly, like, I've, and I've had a lot of time recently, so I feel like I maybe, I, maybe I, I, I've let him down in some way by not being there to, uh, to, to at least uh, ensure that he is, he is full go for the start of the season. The uh, one other thing on, on Jason, I, I, I thought it was interesting that he made it a point to say he wants to be on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. First off, what is your Mount Rushmore? He included Pierce on there. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and not on mine. Yeah, you know, like it's weird. It's so it's it's probably generational too. If you were, I mean, I think we're we're around the same age, and I think we grew up with like you know, it's a hard Mount Rushmore to get on because you got Russell, and and you know, you start there, and it's hard to put three others next to Russell. But you know, you start doing it, and uh, well, you, you have know, to go Russell and Larry. Like those right. are like the the not you, you can't even not negotiate anybody on those two, and then. And then it gets a little bit more tricky. So sure. I, maybe it's network bias, but for me, if, if, if you're going with just on-court stuff, you're not going to put Tommy on there. But if you put the totality of what they meant to the organization in like every different facet, it's yeah. hard for me to leave off Tommy. Uh, I'm a Worcester guy, so I'm always irrationally skewed towards Koozie. Yeah. I don't know if I'd put him on there, but you know, he's, 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 he's in that conversation. Uh, yep. And then just like I mean, Havlicek's and, and I mean, there's just so many, so many different ways you can go. Does Tatum? I guess if we could fast forward to Celtics Talk podcast in 2043. Is he on there? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, which it, on its own is like a crazy thing to say. Yeah, I, I just think he's he's better than Paul Pierce, and he's got to win a title, I guess. But all I'll say is like Paul Pierce wasn't winning that title without. Mm-hmm. without kg and and and, and ray right we and, know and, that. I, and yet i'll put this like the totality of pierce's like being a celtic for what was essentially most of his career you know besides the brooklyn and washington stuff uh re- revitalizing it considering where the depths that we had gone to like i'll always have a, so- a soft spot for pierce and that one makes me wonder if like if there's a generation just maybe slightly you know younger than me that appreciates this a little bit more because if I was fortunate enough to catch the very tail end of the big three. Like I can at least remember watching a TV at five, six years old and being like, Oh, this, this team is really good. And I like Danny Ainge and like, you know, whatever else I was thinking. I'm about older than teams. you, Chris. I'm a little bit older than you. So okay. I would have Mikhail on there today. I would yeah. have Havlicek and Mikhail. That would be my, my four would be Russell bird, Havlicek and Mikhail. But I, I think, yes, I think Jason Tatum eventually. And I remember saying it before he ever played a game. I said, I, Jason Tatum's going to be a Hall of Famer and he's going to be better than Paul Pierce before he ever played one game. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And to bring this conversation full circle, like I love that he admitted, like he has to win a title. Yes. It's like it sort of hovers over everything. You can't be a Celtic legend 
and even had just one. And that's why I know, you know, like it sounds so, I hate to hold it against Pierce because they should have had another one. 2010 should have been a title year. But, you know, like you you need to have probably multiple rings to be in that conversation because there's just been too many good players over the totality and Tatum gets that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now, I don't know if he got it, you know, two or three years ago, but it was hard to get it, you know, like two years ago, man. I mean, again, where where he was, where the franchise was, where this the, the core of this team was two years ago today and, and where it is now is is vastly different. And, uh, you know, again, the, he talked about the expectations and the, the criticism and, and saying, like, I get it now. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. And I understand it. They criticize KD. They criticize everybody in this league, no matter what they've done. I, I think he sees that and now doesn't take it nearly as personally as he did a couple of years ago. How are you feeling about the Celtics here as we crawl towards the start of training camp and uh, having to, having gotten the, the 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 state of the union from the uh, the primary guy? What what I'll say is again, this is funny. Like five five six years ago, I remember walking out of a, a hotel in New York City and I could barely walk. All of a sudden, it just started hurting. I had plantar fasciitis and I had it for eight months, Chris. Literally mm-hmm. eight months. Now I didn't get the treatment that that our boy Porzingis is getting right now. Okay. And he's younger and certainly more athletic than I am. Uh, but but that you just don't know. Mm-hmm. That I guess that's my biggest takeaway from having it is you don't know when it's going to go away. So for them to put a timetable on plantar fasciitis, I think is really hard to do because it could still bother him well beyond. And he may be good today, for all I know. He mm-hmm. may be fine. It's not bothering him at all today, and he's good to go. Or it could still uh, linger. And then it's a pain tolerance thing as much as anything else. So, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about that. I've been told Brogdon's been working out down in Atlanta for months, like since basically the week after right. the draft and, and and all that happened with the Clippers. Um, I, I think he's fine. I think there's the bigger question with Malcolm Brogdon is, is long-term from what I'm told yeah. than short-term that, that he's fine. He'll be good. Um, I'm just I'm excited to see this team with a guy if Porzingis gets healthy, which he will at some point, with a guy that fits this system a lot better than Smart offensively. But I'm concerned, uh, obviously, about the defensive uh, and and the the lack of again what I talked to him about. My question is just that lack of like they could look like a dead team. I mean, they could look like a dead team at times anyway with Smart. And now you take away Smart and Grant Williams, and there may not be a lot of um, intensity, which people in this city need. They need that. They need to mm-hmm. see that this team is is all in and showing some emotions on their sleeve. And again, that's going to be hard if this team doesn't win at the highest level. People are going to kill them for that because if you win and you're in first place, all right, nobody's going to say anything. Who cares? Who cares if you're yelling, screaming, chest bumping, any of that shit. But the moment you start losing, yeah. they're going to come at them with like, well, where where is the passion with this group? Like, they don't even look like they, you know, you hear it with Jason, right? Like, he doesn't even look like he cares about winning. And it's like, of course he cares about winning. That's just, you know, I think how some of these kids, again, in this generation, you know, grew up like trying mm-hmm. to be a little too cool. Instead of, you know, showing the emotions, there, there just aren't many of those guys out there that are showing that emotion 
and and wear it on their sleeve. I'm trying to think of like who are the guys right now? Who are the yeah. guys in, in in the NBA that just like let loose and don't care at all? There aren't that hey, many. But you mentioned Jimmy. Like there, I mean, there's like you know, there's guys that 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 wear it, and sometimes they wear it to to be seen. But like you know, I I agree. It's 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 there's not a lot of KGs left, and you don't have to be that. There's plenty of examples of guys that win without showing it. But I am eager. Like the one thing that doesn't matter what Jason says. Like we got to see how the sort of the next evolution of 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 leadership and you know understanding that they can't have the lapses that they've had, you know, that's the one thing that I'm, I'm with you. Like the talent is undeniable, yes. you know, and like, I, I love smart. And, but like, you're, if you want to tell me if, if Porzingis is healthy, which I actually think I, again, I I'll keep screaming this. I don't, there is like zero concern from what I can tell about that injury. And then long term, there'll be none. Yeah. He'll be fine. At some point. Is he fine? Day one in training camp. Sure. Is he fine? Day one in the regular, like whatever it is, it's just going to be up to him. And if I'm them, it's like, I'm just taking it slow because there's no reason to rush. Yeah. Why? It, the one thing I would love to see from this team is the, the eliminating the random Tuesday night against the bad team where like Orlando just comes in and thumps them. And I know that happens on occasion, but when it happens like five times a year and it matters in the standings and it, like, those are the things that drive people nuts, you know, and, and then for it to crop up in random instances in the playoffs, like game seven, how are you that flat? Like, how is that even possible after the way Derek White saved your season and, and off you go? And, you know, those are the things that drive people people mad. And I do think that just comes down to sort of a, a – and I don't want to even say it's the way they approach the game. It's just something. there's something about the mentality that has to to change. And maybe just because you've changed a little bit of the DNA of the locker room that that will come through. Maybe Joe being more comfortable and having the experience coaches around him. Uh, it, the, like you the, said, smart, smart dominated – a little bit in that realm, right? So, like these other guys didn't feel like they needed to do it because they had smart. Maybe, maybe they're gonna feel like, hey, you know what? I gotta be a little bit mm -hmm. uh more more assertive. Um my voice being heard, maybe. I mean, again, maybe they take they all take a little bit of a step in that regard. Like again, I don't know if I ever see Malcolm Brogdon, you know, yelling and screaming. Like that dude just is like this, right? Yeah, like and you think about it, like Al. Like yes. Rob can get loud, but I don't think Al got there though. In the playoffs, I was actually really impressed. Al had his moments where he showed way more emotion mm -hmm. than I've ever seen out of him. You know, well, he I knows the, yeah. the, the timeline is only so, so long right now. That's and like hip, I think him more than anybody, probably early in the season, as we wait to see like how that blossoms, he's yeah. got to be vocal. He's got to be the one being like, look, yeah. you know, this is he, it. he gets it. Like it's, right. it's nice that Tatum and Brown have, you know, it might not work out again this year. And I think the pressure is really going to be start to be felt if it doesn't. Uh, and yet they'll still have 10 years of their career to figure it out. Al's like, come on, man, I need to get one and, and go on. Look, and Gorman, like we got to get, they got to get one for Gorman before he goes out the door. <laughs> so uh, I I am uh, just in all facets. This feels like there's, I know that, that, that every year comes with expectations, but I, you know, that's the one thing I've been feeling as it gets a little bit closer is they, they kind of got to get one. And, There's no uh, excuses right now. Now, again, there may be some with injuries or whatever. Now, we probably said that a year ago today, and then the excuse happened with, with Ime and, sure. you know, Rob getting hurt to start the year. You know, there were a bunch of things, Tatum getting hurt in game seven. There are a bunch of things. But for the most part, you look at it today and you're like, all right, you know what? As long as Porzingis and Brogdon are healthy, when it matters here, Joe's got a year under his belt. Um, and you wonder too, how much that smart trade was also 
because of the fact that, and I still can't believe this. Like when, I don't remember when it was, you'll remember better than me, but when smart called out Joe publicly. Yeah. Like I, I mean, there was, there was a couple instances and I honestly, that I was, remember. that was high level of like, you can't do that publicly. What he did to Joe, you could like, to me, I almost felt like that was it. When he said that, I almost felt like, you know what? You can't come back from that thing. You can't mm-hmm. come back. And if you're going to keep Joe, one of them's got to go almost. And, because- and it's, it, it's interesting because I thought they had like a really good re- relationship. They would do, do the little different fighting combats and stuff like that. And I think Joe appreciated what Marcus brought defensive wise and, and, and obviously setting a tone there. Um, you know, I wonder, you know, Marcus is, it, it, we keep talking about it. He's the one guy who's sort of unfiltered who, you know, would go up there and I look, I don't know what the right and wrong way is. When Ime was telling everybody what they were doing wrong, I was sitting there thinking, man, this guy's going to burn through this place quickly. Cause you can't do that. And then it actually brought the best basketball out of them. And so everybody does a little bit differently. I do think you're right. Like in terms of a player has to be careful, especially with a coach and a first year coach. And, um, you know, Marcus probably could have voiced some of those things better. I don't know if it ultimately spelled it. I think it just, I think we knew uh, every, because we got to the off season. I kept telling people, you know, I don't know if there's going to be really big changes. Like it, it's, it, it's hard based on, especially with the new rules. No, you, and said it. you said a guard was gone. You said yeah. it was going to be Brogdon or smart. You were like, one of them's gone. Mm-hmm. And you knew, but, um, you know, it, it, the way that all came together was, it, and you can look at it from a selfish perspective. I mean, to get Perzingis and a first round pick, like you you had to do the trade, right? Like, oh, yeah. you know, we all worried about like how Marcus would age based on the way he plays and all that. That, uh, that all being said, if you could have done that, if you could have got Porzingis and not move Marcus Smart, you, you would have given it every consideration in the world. And clearly they were trying to do the Porzingis part of it with with Brogdon. But I do wonder if, if Smart would have been here end of the day, uh, no matter what, as jarring as that is to, to still sort of, of process. Uh, I just just eager to see how it plays out. And I think, it's, you know, maybe it'll be a win-win for everybody. Maybe the Celtics will just have a different level of the dynamic with with Porzingis out there and just sort of no lulls in the offense and they got to figure it out defensively, but they still have that talent and Marcus should be I'd, really, I'd really Porzingis good. Shoot threes. I'd rather at the end of the game, yep. when the ball moves and somebody's wide open and it won't and be Porzingis. Porzingis and, shooting and, three. and that's the one thing I keep telling people is, is like Marcus shot it better than everyone. You, you would have thought Marcus was a 28% shooter based on the way people reacted. Yeah. Um, and yet like all those open looks going to Porzingis now, is a really intriguing possibility. The idea of like how open they may go to Jalen from three again, and he might go back to to shooting 37, 38% from three because he's wide open because Mm -hmm. they got to press up or it may help him being able to actually put the ball on the floor and get to the basket in, in, in the, in the half court, right? Like who knows, but it's going to help offensively. And, And let's be honest, Marcus wasn't great defensively last year. He wasn't, he was good. He wasn't what we expected from Marcus Smart. Fair, fair. And I mean and that was accentuated by the fact that Derek White emerged as the, the defensive guy. And um, you know, that's that's what I want to see, Chris. Chris, I want to see Derek White as your 30 a minute a game point guard next year. I want to see it. I only screamed it all last season. So uh yeah. we'll see if like, you know, and I, that's the that's the thing. Like there's gonna be a balance and Good luck, Joe. Like he's going to want to play guys a lot, but I also want to see a, a little bit of a balance here. We'll see if some of these depth pieces can help out. Uh, and ultimately, and, and, and to really bring this conversation full circle, all that matters is is Jason Tatum an MVP level player, and you know does Jalen Brown play to the same level that he did for much of last season? Those will be the two things that ultimately dictate where this team goes and and how far it is. And so, uh, Jason Tatum at least saying all the right things 
on the ramp up? I think he means them. I, I do. I'll but say sure. that. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think it's just, you know, some guys, you know, they just tell you what they think you want to hear. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll I'll tell you about Jason, like he's he's very smart and thoughtful. And he's not he's not going to say anything flammable. That's just not him, right? He, he's not. He's not a lightning rod. But he's also not going to just be vanilla for this. Like he's not thinking before he speaks to say, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. Like that's not him either, especially with me because I've known him so long. It's really a conversation more than anything with the two of us. And uh, and there was nothing that he was like later on. He was like, no, I don't want that out there. Anything right. like that. He was like, whatever I said, I'm good with nice. Uh Let's end on this. Uh, how long until you go to a uh, Deuce Tatum game since you cover all levels of, of basketball now? Like what age should we start wondering if he's going to be an NBA player? So I, I saw, I went to Tatum's camp two summers ago, last summer, last summer. My my daughter and I were at Patriots training camp, and I didn't even know Tatum's camp was going on. Mm. Little kids camp, right? So I shot over there, and uh, and Deuce ended up jumping in with some older kids. Then Jason was cracking up because at that point he literally couldn't dribble, <laughs> like he was grabbing the ball and running with the ball. And I thought it was cute just to see Jason. Like some dads might have been embarrassed and been mm. like yelling at the. Jason was just cracking up and. You know, another thing he said to me within the, the story about Deuce was, um, and, and I said, trust me, I know this. He said, uh, yeah, I'll give him, I'll go out there and, and I'll give him advice and try to help him and tell him something. And he's like, basically wants no part of it from dad. Doesn't yeah. doesn't want to take any advice. And Jason's like, you know, I'm one of the better players in the NBA and my son won't listen to me. And I'm like, trust me, like, like it only gets wherever you are as a parent like that's just so i said i'm like you got to get somebody else on the team mm. to, to to get with deuce that's your best bet here is get you know get somebody else they'll he'll listen to somebody else uh but yeah I, I, it'll be interesting i mean deuce is so cute and again yeah. probably my favorite thing of watching jason tatum grow up has been fatherhood for yeah. jason tatum and, and and watching him mature off the court that that's those are the those are the coolest part i think you would agree you know watching some of these guys even for you probably coming in with tatum as a rookie yeah. and, and seeing him and and being around him and watching him grow up to where again now and i asked i asked jason this i said do you get a lot of pushback on having deuce like out there too much you know like national anthem mm-hmm. next to you and he said, no, nah, it probably happens on Twitter. He's like, I don't really pay attention to it at all. Um, I love it personally. Yeah. Just again, you know, I'm, I'm the father of a soon to be 20 year old girl who I want to spend as much time, you know, every, every moment she wants to spend with me, I, I want to spend with her. So uh, I told him like, it goes kind of quick, you know, you know, mm-hmm. this, it oh, goes sure. kind of quick and he's taking advantage of the time. And that's, that's to me the coolest part of watching him be a father is he is absolutely taking advantage of the time he's got at a young age with, with his son. We're uh we're a bunch of old softies now. I think like yes. 10 years ago, we would have been like, get this kid off the court. Yes. Like we're playing back now we kind of get it. And uh, it is neat because it, it, it would be very easy for a superstar to be singularly focused on like, Hey, he's one of the five best players in, in the NBA. He should be an MVP someday. You know, there's a lot of glitz and glamor that comes with it, but it is neat that, um, you know, 
making sure Deuce is out there dribbling. I think Deuce as much as anyone. I know uh, some of their public scuffles will, uh, will, will, will might deter from what I'm about to say, but he'll miss Grant Williams because Grant was also uh, good about uh, mixing it up with Deuce in the corner before game. And they were next to each other, right? Still in the locker room. Yeah. Right. Then like, I actually think Grant, right. And, and Jason, it was good for Jason to have Grant because Grant, again, mm-hmm. like we talked about, wouldn't shut up. So there was kind of a banter there between the two of them in the locker room that people didn't see that that got Jason a little bit out of his shell and probably a little bit uh, more vocal, comfortable, screwing around, having fun in the locker room where maybe that wouldn't have been him if he yeah. wasn't next to a guy like Grant. It's interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see how he responds this year in the, the, with the, all the new sort of wrinkles. People, I mean, I, I remember talking to Grant last year and he was telling me like when he came for his pre-draft visit with the Celtics, he actually spent time in Tatum's house. You know, lived there while he was going through it. Or maybe the first part of his, you know, after signing, like it was like, you know, there was a friendship there and a bond. And yeah, everyone got sick of, of Grant running his mouth at times. But just like you said, uh, you need that voice. You need that sort of levity sometimes in the locker room. A lot of, a lot of little question marks for the Celtics. What's what's undeniable is the talent. Uh, Jeff Goodman. Nice job. What, what, what a way to launch this uh, this new website. And, uh, you know. Thank you for giving me something to talk about in, in what I did. it. That's why I did it, Chris. I, I, I knew I knew you needed something to do. Um, you know, I knew your wife probably wanted to get your way, you know, for at least 45 minutes today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, she can thank me later. <laughs> Mission accomplished. All right, Jeff Goodman, thank you so much for your time. You got it. Thanks, Chris. All right. We get the superstar of the team talking, so uh, it must mean the season's slowly, slowly crawling here. Still got like 25 days or so before we get them together for media day and the start of training camp. Uh, but as players start trickling back to Boston, hopefully have more to talk about here on the Celtics Talk podcast. While you're waiting, go like, subscribe, check us out on the YouTube page. We'll catch you next time on the Celtics Talk podcast. <laughs>